Happy Wednesday. We get started, had a few difficulties, but I think we got everything uh, worked out. I believe, let me adjust this real quick. You guys know what to do. Once you get on, please tag and share. Please tag and share. What's up, Robbie? What's up, Teresa? Hey, Tanya. Hey, Dad. Hope you guys are doing well today. It's Wednesday. We're going to ref get refreshed in the Word. What's up, Chandra? Let me see. Can I pull up my Facebook so I can see y'all's comments better while we're tagging and sharing? What's Clarissa? What's up, Robert? Hey, Lanetta. What's up, H? You guys tag and share for me so we can get that taken care of. Let me see. Can I pull up my Facebook so I can see y'all comments? It's hard to see on the phone. Hope you guys are having a great, uh, great Wednesday. Had a great day. We went on our walk today as usual, and the kids did a great job. Didn't have to fuss and all that, and that's always appreciated. What's up, Vess? What's up, Carrie? Uh, we'll give it a couple minutes. I logged on a little late, so we'll give it a couple minutes. So. Tonight we just we're gonna I have we're gonna stick to God of the Impossible, but my notes got switched up a little bit, so we're gonna take a little journey in the Word tonight. Uh, let's see here. There we go. There's one of them. What's up, Malaya? Hey, Centressa. Hello, 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 everybody. What's up, H? Not sure if I had said hi to you. What's up, Miss Edwards? Hope you guys are doing well. I know. Man, I'm doing great. These last few weeks. Oh, if you haven't gone, we'll do our announcements. If you haven't listened to Sunday's message, God's System of Promotion, Part 2 by Pastor Edwin, I highly encourage you to go Run over to focchurch.com and listen to it. Subscribe to our podcast uh, or do whatever you need to do to hear that word. Um, and then today, Pastor Shun did a pop-up uh, message on her Shun Strickland page, I believe. Man, it, it was good word. I mean, she's talking about prophetic destiny and uh, just go listen to it. Um, I'm not even going to go into all of it because I. here's the thing I know. At this time, we need to be spending a whole lot of time in the Word. We need to be strengthening our inner man. We need to be uh, ensuring that our soul has been saved, our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, our intellect. All of those things are coming into alignment with God so that we may agree in our heart with what He says so that we may advance because this is the year of advance. 
advancement, alignment agreement and advancement. This is the year of great harvest and we all want to be a partaker of that. So in order to be a partaker of that, we have to do what's needed on our part to be stable and securely founded in the word. What time is it? Uh, 8.31, I'm gonna give it about one more minute. So tell me where you guys watching from? Where you guys watching from? I know a lot of y'all are in Arkansas. Uh, I see a lot of my FOC peeps. If y'all hear children, that's just, I, I chose 8.30 because I thought my kids would be asleep, but it ain't always the case now. So if y'all hear children in the background, it's just Ava Aiden. Major's already asleep. What's up, Little Rock? Pastor Chris is in Little Rock. Hey, T-Punk. Hey, Tamara. Hey, Jamil. Carrie's in Fayetteville. All right. Well, I say we, we pray and we get going. Whoever comes on later, they can just come on later, but we're going to get started. Uh, first, I want to welcome you to Fellowship of Champions. For those who are watching on our uh, my on the church page, uh, welcome to Fellowship of Champions. We're a church teaching you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. Uh, I'm so grateful that you chose to listen to the word with us tonight. And so, uh, as you listen, the word is designed to strengthen you and to help you produce fruit in this time. And so, this year, we're, this is our year of great harvest, and so we're, we're teaching the word so that we may enjoy the harvest God has for us so that we may build the kingdom. So, let's pray and let's get started. Father God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion, your grace, and your mercy. We know that you are God and God alone. We know that you are the God of the impossible God. We know that you create anything from nothing. We know that your word has power and when it was sent, when it's sent out, it accomplishes what it was sent to do. We thank you that because we live in you that we have that same power that you have given us in Genesis to be, have dominion, to subdue, Father. And we thank you that we exercise the power in this earth, that we believe you and we trust you, and that we come before you knowing that our prayers and our concerns will be answered. We have full confidence in your ability to get it done, Father. And tonight, as this word goes forth, we pray that it enters our heart, that it is planted and it is sown on good ground. It will bring forth great harvest so that the kingdom may be seen by those in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Man, uh, yeah. Whoever said on, on the beach, man, I've been on the beach for, for a minute. Uh, but let's get started. So so tonight, let me tell you what's going to happen tonight. So tonight we're going to talk about trusting the God of impossible. What we're going to do is kind of talk through a couple of scriptures about believing God and God being the God of the impossible. And I had some other things lined, but God told me to do this. He told me to remind you of what he can do. And so we're just going to take a, a journey tonight. Uh, it may not be long, whatever God puts on our heart to share. Uh, we're just going to take a journey tonight through some of the miracles that God performed. Some of the things that, that man thought was impossible, but God made possible because he is that God. He is the one that has the ability to turn every situation into a winning situation. Because what we have to understand is this, is that heaven sees no impossibilities. 
Heaven's not aware of anything that's impossible because for heaven, for God, for the Holy, for Holy Spirit, everything is possible because he created all things. And so what we have to understand is that if we're seeing something as impossible, we're operating outside of the realm of the spirit. We have stepped into flesh because flesh is the only thing that sees limitations. You might as well go ahead and type that. Say heaven sees no limitation. Heaven doesn't recognize impossibilities because heaven has the ability to create everything from non-existence. Why? Because all God had to do this is to speak it and it becomes. So heaven doesn't recognize impossibilities. Uh, and so as we talk through this, God's given me specific things that he wants me to talk to. To you guys about and so we're just going to walk through those things it'll be a little different tonight uh, uh maybe but just just hang in there with me let's go to mark 9 and 23 mark 9 and 23 says this jesus said unto him if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes in the passion translation it says it like this jesus said to him what do you mean if if you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. And so I broke those words down. Let's talk about what each one of those words mean. What does it mean to believe? What it means to be possible? The word believes mean to accept as true, to feel sure about the facts, right? The word possible means may or can be, exist, happen, be done, or be used. So now let's reread those scriptures using the verses uh, that we have just talked about, right? The definitions. Jesus said unto him, if you accept this truth, if you feel sure of the facts that all things can exist or be done to him that is sure of the facts. So all God is saying is this, are you sure of the fact that I am God? Because if you happen, if you are, if all things are able to be done for the one that's sure of the fact that I am God, are you sure? I mean, we heard Pastor Evan and them say, God is saying, do you take me seriously? Like, are you sure I am that one? Are you sure I am that I am? Are you sure I'm the one that created the earth? Are you sure the one that I spoke into existence when I walked into the earth and I saw that it was void and without form and I spoke word and it was light and light showing up. When I said the oceans appear and oceans showed up. When I said the land to land to appear and land showed up. Are you sure about the facts that I am that God? Are you sure of the fact? He says, if you can be sure of the fact that all things can exist, can happen and be done, then you will receive that you believe. And so for to, to understand that, what I'm saying is, in order to see the God of the impossible show up in your life, you got to believe that he is. You got to believe that the same God that created the earth, the same God that created Adam, the same God that rose Jesus up from the dead, the same God that did all those things, he wants to do it before you. Why? Because he says in his word, it gives him his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. It was his ideal to prosper you. You didn't wake up wanting to be prosperous. That was God's ideal planted on the inside of you. You didn't wake up wanting to be in a successful marriage. That was God's ideal 
planted on the inside of you. You didn't wake up wanting a good job to provide for your family. That was God's idea planted on the inside of you. God has planted seeds on the inside of us for they for them to grow up, but we can't make them grow up if we don't believe that they are fact. So Jesus said unto him, if you can accept it as true, what can I accept as true, Ralph? That God wants your life to be prosperous in every area. What can I accept as true? That God, that Jesus died on the cross so that I could be saved. What do he wants us to accept as the fact that we are healed? We're not being healed. We're already healed. There's no sickness that can overcome us because God has already, Jesus has already seen us through. What does he want us to accept as fact? That the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us, causing his love to be shed abroad in our hearts so that that perfect love may cast out all fear so that I may approach the throne in confidence, knowing that my faith will not fail, knowing that I will not stagger and I will not be distracted by what I see in the earth. That's what he wants us to accept as fact. And when we accept those things as fact, then we understand that they can exist. They do happen and it's already done. And so my objective tonight is simple. I want to remind you of the nature of God and his ability to accomplish anything. I want to remind you of the nature of God and his ability to accomplish anything. You won't hear anything new tonight. But what I want you to do is not despise repetitive teaching. What I want you to do is dig into the word to ask God to give you revelation about what this means for your life. How do I use the word I hear tonight to ensure that I, I receive the harvest that God has for me? How, what God, met, let me see myself in tonight's word. Because I'm sharing with you what, I, what God has been sharing with me. And so it's just, that's what you're going to get. So here it is. I'm, tonight I'm taxed with one job. I want to remind you of the God of the impossible. I want to remind you that there are no limits for your life. There are no limits for your life. I want to remind you that you are free to live without restraints. So go ahead and type that. If you was in, if you was in church, we'll, we'll just say, tell your neighbor. But go ahead and say, I live life without restraints. There is nothing holding you back. The only restraint, and we'll talk about it, the only restraint is, is your faith. That's the only thing. The only restraint, restraint is your faith. It says, I want to remind you that nothing you can observe with your senses hinders a promise of God, from God. Nothing you observe with your senses hinders a promise from God. I made a Facebook post the other day, and I don't remember what it said exactly, but it said something to this extent. extent. Nothing you can observe with your physical eyes hinders the promise that God has told you. Nothing you can observe with your physical eyes, you can hear with your physical ears, you can touch with your hands. Nothing you can observe with your senses impacts God's ability to bring forth the promise that he has in your life. Nothing. It doesn't matter about the economy. It doesn't matter about your spouse. It doesn't matter about your job. It doesn't matter about your kids. The promises of God are not deterred by anything in this earth. Nothing. 
And so when we know that, then the thing is, it's the trick of the enemy to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so what he does is he has, he creates space. We'll go back to the mess, pride and humility messages. When, when, uh, when Eve, he created space for her to doubt God. So what the enemy tries to do is create space for you to doubt God. I know your bank account doesn't look like you can own a house this year. And so the enemy's like, well, how are you going to buy a house this year? You got $7.62 in the bank. How are you going to buy a house this year? You got a 342 credit score. How are you going to buy a house this year when you can't even buy toilet tissue and keep that sustained in your house? How are you going to? And the key to the question he's asking you, and this is how you need to answer the devil. I'm not. I'm not going to buy a house this year. God is. Because he's trying to create space for you to, for doubt and unbelief to enter your life so that you can then question God's ability to even know if he has your best interest in mind. If God had your best interest in mind, why he letting you struggle now? If God had your best interest in mind, why your credit score is what it is now? If God had your best interest in mind, Right? So the enemy is trying to create space between you and God. He's trying to get you to believe in yourself. And so when the enemy says, hey, how are you going to? Your answer is, I'm not. God has already done it on my behalf. I don't need my bank account. I don't need my credit score. I don't need that. All I need is faith. Because the Bible says, if you are possible for you to believe, It'll happen on your behalf. Amen? I'm not. God is. Right. So there's something that's... So the only thing that's impossible to God... Let's talk about something that's impossible to God, right? The only thing that's impossible to God is his ability to lie. And this is important because as we proceed through tonight, I need you to know the only thing for God that's impossible is for God to lie. Run on over there to Hebrews 6 and 18. In Hebrews 6 and 18, it states this. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise and his vow will never change. We know that his promise and his vow will never change. So what I need you to know as we establish a foundation for tonight of God being a God of the impossible is that God is incapable of lying. It is impossible for God to lie. And it's going to be important for us to know that because as we go through the scripture, we also know that God says that he is not a respecter of persons. So anything that he has done on the behalf of someone else, then I know that him not being a liar and not being a respecter of persons, that gives me the ability to tap into through faith to receive what I've seen somebody else receive. Now, he may not ask me to do it. He may not, I may not do it the exact same way that they got it done, but I know I have access. Why? Because it's impossible for him to lie and that he is not a respecter of persons. So when Katrina got that new car and it was paid for and the taxes were paid for, then you should have got real excited about that. You know why you should have got excited about that? Because God is impossible. It's impossible for him to lie. It's just impossible for him to uh, go back on his promise or his vow. And if he was, he was willing to bless Katrina with a car debt paid, debt free, taxes paid in full, then I am now have the ability through faith to, faith to access a car 
debt-free, taxes paid. Why? Because whatever he blesses one believer with, then I have the opportunity through faith to access that same thing. That's why I'm always thanking God when somebody else gets blessed. I am always worshiping. I'm always praising God. Why? Because as they are getting blessed, it is only a sign that the harvest is still coming. It's only a sign that God is still working. It's only a sign that I know that God has stood by his word. It is impossible for him to lie. So every time I see a, belie a believer blessed, it should remind me that God is It's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to go back on his promise. It's impossible for him to go back on his vow. It is his word that he said he will bless me. It was his ideal to come and give me a life and that life more abundantly. So every time you see somebody blessed, you should be praising God because that is an assurance. That is a sign that God is still holding true to his promise. All right, let's keep going. Um, there, why is it important to know that God cannot lie? It establishes a foundation for us to believe. It really says, I can trust God. There's something that's impossible for us. All right. So there was something that was impossible for God. God cannot lie. He can't go back on his promise. He can't go back on his vow. The thing that's impossible for us is found in Hebrews 11 and 6. It states, and without faith, living within us, it would be impossible to please God. So what is the impossibility for me? The impossibility for me is to please God outside of faith. So if I, no matter what you do, if it's not done in faith, it is you are not pleasing God. I don't care. And, and let's talk about that. How do we get faith? Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So faith starts, the way we say it is faith starts where the will of God is known. So if you don't have a, a, will, a word from God, then you can't even be in faith. If I am not in faith, I can't please God. That's not wrath talking. That's Hebrews 11. It's impossible to please God without faith. So I must make sure that when I act in the earth, that I am acting based off a word from God, either a logos word that is that is written or a rhema word that he speaks to me through the Holy Spirit. But I have to have a word. I have to have a word from God. And so, so those are the impossibilities. And it says, and without faith living within us, it's impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real. He is real. He won't lie. He is real. And that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. And so Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. So the thing that we have to seek is not riches. The thing that we have to seek is not, not tangible items. The thing that we have to seek is not a good marriage. The thing that we have to seek is not a great job. The thing that we have to seek is not a position in the church. The thing that we have to seek is the kingdom of God. His way of doing and his way of doing, his way of doing, his way of thinking. That's what we have to seek. And when we seek his way of doing, when we seek his way of thinking, when we seek his character, then it says all these things will be added to us. What are these things? Prosperity in every area of your life, your marriage, your money, your children, your occupation, your career. All those things are byproducts of what? Seeking first the kingdom, the will and the thinking of God. And when we do that, then all things are possible. But here's the sellout point that we have. 
Here it is. I'm going to say it like this. Most things aren't even impossible. You just say they are as a way to coward out, to cave in, or quit. If you're honest with yourself, you can accomplish some of the things that you want, even without God. But you're just not willing to put in the work. And so many Christians have become, and I love, and I think it was uh, in McNair Middle School, Dad taught a message on, uh, on, on, on laziness, on sleeping too much. And, and it was a really good word because what we don't want to hear in the body is that we got to do something. Right. We just want God to show up and do everything for what we really want to do is be spoiled. What we want to do is to participate as little as possible while receiving the maximum benefit from God. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to do something. You got to do something. You got to operate in faith. And the Bible says, show me your faith by what your works. But a lot of times it's not that it's impossible. It's that you lazy. It's not that it's impossible. It's that the pain of being the same hasn't outweighed the pain of change. And so you're comfortable being average. You're comfortable being middle class. You're comfortable being where you are. You, ain't, you talk about change, but you don't really want to change. And until you are honest with yourself about where you are in life, then you're not going to move because you don't think it's your responsibility. You think it's God's responsibility. But what you got to understand that God has done everything that God's going to do. It's up to you now. It's up to you now. It says you look at people who are successful and you convince yourself that their talent got them where they are. However, it wasn't their talent, but their daily pursuit of a promise. It was the mundane repetitions to become solidified in their subconscious and become second nature that put them ahead. In biblical sense, they did not despise repetitive teaching. They meditated on the word both day and night. They did it until it flowed from their heart in abundance. The word became their first response. So, so many people, we look at the fact that people are successful. you like, I can't be a success like them. Why? Because they skilled. I can't be successful like them because they just talented. Baby, it wasn't their talent. It was their commitment to everyday commitment doing things, what they need to do to obtain the promise. Meditate on the word both day and night so that you, you can observe to do accordingly, accordingly to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. He teaches us talent doesn't make you successful. Is what you do every day with that talent. Average people can outdo talented people any day when they put in the work. But we don't want to put into work to believe the word so much so that every day with our first response is the word. Say that. Say my first response is the word of God. Anytime I respond to a situation, my first response is the word of God. I get a bill in the mail. I thank you, God, that I have more than enough. I thank you that you supplied every need. Somebody in the family gets sick. I thank you, Lord, that you, by your stripes, I'm healed. I thank you that you, you said above all, I wish that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So I thank you, God, that my soul, my mind, my will, my imagination, my intellect, all of it prospers. And I thank you that I'm healed of whatever disease is trying to attack me. I thank you that disease does not have a right to be in my house. 
I think that my house is, is ailment free. My house is sickness free. My house is cancer free. My house is diabetic free. My house is high blood pressure free. My house is whatever fill in the blank free. Why? Because that's what the word says. And when you meditate on that word enough, it gets so big in your life that disease becomes small. And the only reason we think that we that cancer is an impossibility, some people think, is because cancer is bigger to them because they're focused on it more than they have the word. But when you make the word first place, it gets so big in your life that it minimizes anything contrary to it. So let's keep going. It says, this is how ordinary people become faith giants. They refuse to believe that God was a liar. They refused to believe that the world was bigger. The world was bigger than the promise. They refused to look at themselves, but instead they made their focus God. They didn't limit God based on their humanity. I will not limit God based on my humanity. I will not limit God based on anything I can observe in my human form. God is bigger than everything that I see. God is bigger than everything that I hear. God is bigger than a bank account. God is bigger than a bill. God is bigger than a bad marriage. God is bigger than disobedient kids. God is bigger than being laid off of your job. God is bigger than anything else. So I don't entertain humanity. I set my focus on God. Because when I set my focus on God, that's what makes impossible things possible. Am I making sense? If I'm making sense, give me some hearts. Let me know. Because, I mean, y'all don't do Facebook Live. So give me something. Let me know it's making sense. All right? If it's making sense, just let me know. Heart, something. Just keep it going. Comment. What's up, boy Scott? So now, all right, make sure it's making sense. All right, so this is what we want to do now. At this point, God told me, I think it's about eight things, nine, that he wanted me to talk about. We probably won't get them all tonight. We'll just listen to the Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to go through all nine. And I'll, once again, what's the objective tonight? My objective is simple. I want to remind you of what God has already done. I want to remind you of the impossibilities that he made possible, all right? So I'm going to go through all nine, and then as the Holy Spirit leads me, we will pick out which ones we'll talk about tonight. All right, cool. We got, we got plenty of time. The first thing he told me about is that don't be concerned about time. We think time is an impossibility, but we ain't going to be worried about time. That was the first one. The second one, he says, tell you that a little is all that you need. A little is all that you need. The third one is use what's in your hand. Because we're talking about God of the impossible. Don't be worried about time. Don't you, a little is enough. Use what's in your hand. Don't change your course unless God tells you to. Don't change your course unless God tells you to. All right. Number five, seek God before pursuing the promise. Seek God before you pursue. Seek God before you pursue. Number six, recall your victories for assurance and confidence. 
Recall your victories for assurance and confidence. Number seven, you got to take on the mind of Christ. Take on the mind of Christ. Number eight, don't get discouraged if it's not already in the earth. Just because you can't see it physically does not mean it doesn't exist. Just because you, I know we're gonna talk about that one. I'm gonna circle that. We're gonna we gonna just because it doesn't exist doesn't. I mean, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it exists. And number nine, take God seriously. Take God seriously. So let's roll with this. All right, we'll get where we where we can get to. All right, so. Number one, so many times we think that time is a constraint. But as a believer, what I want to tell you tonight, I'm going to, what, what God wants me to tell you tonight is don't be concerned about time. Don't be concerned about time. God says, I, I am God of time. Heaven doesn't even exist on time. Time is, a, time is an earthly construct, right? So, there are four things that we're going to talk about about God being them, God overcoming time. All right. God says, I'll hold time up for you. I will accelerate time for you. I will repay you for lost time. And I will sustain you, sustain you during all times. All right. So let's roll. Now, so God impacts time on your behalf. Say this. Go ahead and type this. Say, God will impact time on my behalf. God will impact time on my behalf. All right, let's go to the first one. And we're going to, I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. I'm just going to tell you some stories, right? Because what I want to do tonight is to encourage you in the word. Because some of you guys feel like you have hit a roadblock. Some of you guys feel like you constrained. And I'm talking about myself because this is the word that God gave me. Because at this point in my time, I am encouraging myself in the word. And God says, Ralph, I will hold time still for you. What do you mean, God? Go back to what we talked about. It's impossible for God to lie. So if he was, and he's a respecter of persons and whatever he did on anybody else's behalf, then I can seek God through faith for that same thing. Joshua's 10, 12 through 14. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Tell your neighbor, say, God will cause the time to stop on my behalf. See, so many of you right now, and I'm going to speak on it briefly, I'm going to try to keep it pushing. You think you're running out of time. You're not running out of time, baby. You're not, you, time does not impact the promise. Time does not impact the promise. And I'm going to say it one more time. Time does not impact the promise. If God promised you that you will have it, you do not have to get discouraged because it's not occurring in the time at which you feel like it should occur. God told, I mean, look at this, dude. Look at this. It says, 
that he spoke to the sun and it stopped in the middle of the sky. And it said about a full day, God is willing to put everything on pause to ensure that you receive the victory that he has already promised you. God will put things, God will put things on hold. It says, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Surely the Lord is fighting for Carolyn. Surely the Lord is fighting for Dean. Surely the Lord is fighting for Miss Witcher. Surely the Lord is fighting for Cedric. And he will cause things to be put on pause so that you can experience the victory that he has for your life. So I'm not worried about time. Time is not an impossibility because my God has already overcome time. He made it stand still. But not only that, he accelerated time. Now this one I had never read before. Dad, this one's gonna be good. You might have read this one before. Let's go to John 6, 19 through 21. It says, we're talking about God will accelerate the time because you feel like you behind. You feel like everybody else is in front of you. You feel like you playing catch up. You feel like you got to go back to school and that's going to take four more years and I'm going to get further and further behind, God. God, if I have to go take this class and I got to pay this money, God, it's going to set me back. But hold on. I got something for you. Go to John 6, 19 through 21. So when they have rode, and this is, okay, let, let, let me give you... They had just fed the 5,000, right? And they were done feeding the 5,000. Jesus went one way and the disciples got in the boat to go across. And so as they rowing the boat, say it, row, row, row your boat. They singing. They rowing the boat, right? They about halfway across when they see Jesus coming to them. And so Jesus walking to them, they row, row, row your boat. They're like, hey, Jesus, is that you? And Jesus is like, yeah, hey, 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 calm down. Don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. It's Jesus. I'm just coming to check on you. And, it, and he says, be not be afraid. And, they, and then when they, and he told them not to be afraid, and they, they said, come on, get in the boat, Jesus. Come on, homie, get in the boat. But look at this. Look what happens in verse 21. It says, then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. What are you saying, Ralph? This is what I'm saying. They in a boat. Row, row, row your boat. They row it. Jesus, that you? Yeah, that's me, y'all. Jesus get in the boat. And the moment they agree with Jesus, the moment they receive Jesus in the boat, they immediately were on the other side because Jesus has no respect for time. Time is a construct of human. So if you can watch it all the way, if Jesus got in, if, when it says, and I love how they said it, when they received him into the ship, have you received God into your life? Have you received him into what you're trying to do? Are you trying to do it yourself or have you received God into doing it? Have you received God into your marriage being healed? Have you received God into your money being better? Have you received God into your your uh, health? Have you received God into your job? Have you received God into the situation? Because the Bible says immediately they got to the destination. So when Jesus is received into it, immediately shows up. Think about that their effort decreased. You working too hard. They rode halfway, but when they received God, 
effort decrease. Why? Because they received the person that was able to complete what they were already working in. And so you are trying to do it by yourself. You're rowing your money. You're rowing your marriage. You're rowing your health. You're rowing the circumstances. You're rowing your mind. You're rowing that depression. You're rowing that arthritis. You're rowing that the cancer. You're rowing the, the mindset. You're rowing the fact that you are, are, are behind. You're rowing the fact that you're, you was a, nobody in your family has went to college and been successful. You're rowing the fact that you can't pay your rent and your mortgage is doing. You're just rowing and you're rowing. But what you got to do, you got to receive God and immediately things show up. Why? Because he's a God of the impossible. He doesn't need but a moment. He doesn't, he doesn't. See, you're thinking it's going to take forever. You're thinking that you got to do all this. When Jesus comes on the scene, when the Holy Spirit shows up, he makes it effortless. Sweatless victories when I receive God. Now I can talk about that one a lot, but we got to keep moving. We got other things accomplished. He'll repay you for lost time. And I'm going to be very careful not to get caught up in these next two because I love these two. Second Kings 8, the Shunammite woman. And I'm just going to make this real quick. Excuse me. When you obey God, it obedience proceeds. You know how you was in college? And they have prerequisites, like I was a math major. So before I could take Algebra 2, I had to take Algebra and Geometry, right? So it would say Algebra 2 would be listed, and underneath it said prerequisite, I mean Geometry, and Algebra 1. And so in the body, you see provision. But the, pre the, uh, the prerequisite for provision, for, for, for prosperity, is faith and obedience. See, those are two classes those are two things that you got to operate in to receive from God. And so we got to understand that I am no promise of God is received outside of faith. And you're not going to be, and part of you operating in faith is obeying what God tells you to do to obtain the promise. So faith and obedience are prerequisites to you, to, to you manifesting provision. So the Shunammite woman, she... The man of God was coming through all the time. The shooting my woman went to her husband and said, hey, I proceed, this is the man of God. We should build a house for this man of God. I mean, uh, build onto our house for the man of God to come here and stay. And so they, the husband said, yeah, they built the room on. The man of God stayed with them. And he's asked her what she, I mean, what she wants. She didn't say anything. And then he had a kid, right? Because that's one thing that she didn't have. So that all happened, right? But we're fast forwarding. And then later on in 2 Kings, it talks about there was a famine in the land. And here's where obeying God helps you. Because we were talking about the God of impossibilities. The Holy Spirit's job is to navigate you through impossibilities. Because listen to this. The Holy Spirit was with God when he formed the earth, right? So it got, you got to go back to Genesis. But the Holy Spirit was present when God created the earth. He says, let us, let us, who is us? God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. All right. And when the Holy Spirit was there, he was working with God to create. Right. He was forming things in the earth. 
And so the Holy Spirit is aware of all the promises of God. The Holy Spirit knows where the treasure is hidden. The Holy Spirit is capable and in, in, in understanding to replicate the mind of Christ because the Holy Spirit has the mind of Christ, right? So because of that, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us gives us the ability to navigate human impossibilities because we will not navigate them through our earthly senses, but we will utilize the spirit to give us insight on how to access possible in the midst of impossible. Because that's what Jesus did, God did when he created the earth. He called into existence things through a word. So the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do to navigate impossible waters because really to the heaven and nothing is impossible. And because there is nothing impossible to heaven, there is nothing impossible for you. And so Holy Spirit living on, and that's why when Jesus came, we got we gotten so caught up with the cross. That's why when Jesus came, he was coming for redemption, but he was coming to give us one that's greater. That's why he said you'll do greater works. He says, I'm going back, but you'll receive one greater. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you gives you the ability to navigate impossibilities. So anything that once looked impossible, when you when you operate through your flesh, it's impossible. When you tap into the spirit, it's possible. Holy Spirit has the solutions. You might as well say that. Somebody already said that. Tanya said it. Holy, she was reading my notes. Holy Spirit has the solutions. He knows how to navigate impossible things. And I can't go to all of them right now, but you go, I mean, the Holy Spirit has your solutions. First Corinthians 10. It says, eyes has not seen nor ears heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things of which God has prepared for them. In your fleshly state, in your soul, you cannot navigate impossibilities. You cannot know the things of God because it's, you're incapable of it. That's what the word says. It says but in verse 10, but God has revealed to them unto us by what? The spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yeah, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit is my navigator. It teaches me how to walk in uncharted water. It teaches me how to blaze a trail that has never been blazed before. It teaches me how to start a business when the business has never existed before. It teaches me how to be a father when nobody in my family has ever fathered their kids. It teaches me how to stand in a marriage as a man when nobody else has stood in a marriage as a man. It teaches me how to connect to mentors. It teaches me how to find good understanding and wise counsel. It teaches me when to shut up. It teaches me when to ask for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit teaches you how to navigate waters. He is your teacher. In John 14, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit is bringing you in your spirit, man. You got solutions to every problem. And the Holy Spirit's job is to cause you to remember the solution. You had the solution before the problem. God created this thing in backwards design. He created the end before the beginning. So God, so really, because he created the end before the beginning, you were with God when God created the earth. You just weren't in fleshly form yet. 
That's why he says he's bringing things back to the remembrance, the remembrance of your spirit man. So your spirit man can instruct your flesh so that you will be able to make the decisions to make impossibilities possible because the solution had already been put into place. All right, let's keep going. Man, we only got the time. All right, I'm going to give you all these last two real quick on time. All right, so he'll repay you for lost time. Let's back to the of my room. So she went away. It was a, Say it was a famine. It was a famine. She had to leave Arkansas for seven years because it was a drought. Wasn't nothing growing. She was gone. So she vamped. Her and her family, they're gone. They moved to Tennessee. Seven years, they in Tennessee. And then the man of God told her to come back. Hey, you can come back now. So she come back. And when she came back, she went to the king looking for her stuff. And that seed she had sown back that time, long time ago when she built that house for that, the apartment for the man of God. Gehazi was like, hey, king, that's the woman. Elijah was talking about, that's the woman. Uh, that's her. And, and the king said, bring her up here. And the king said this. He says, Shunammite woman, king restored all that was hers, all of her fruits of the field since the day she left the land. So this girl then came back from Tennessee. I'm paraphrasing. She then came back from Tennessee to Arkansas for seven years. Ain't nothing grown in her on her garden. Ain't nobody was here tending her garden. It was a famine. She didn't have any harvest. It, it was nothing going on. The king says, give her everything as if it had grown for seven years. So even though in the midst of a famine, even in the midst of having to leave, even in the midst of all that God repaid her for lost time. So baby, if you got to go back to college, don't worry about the four years. God's got, God's got to repay me. God has a, God has a compensation system that has nothing to do with time. It ain't like going to your 40 hour a week job where you're punching a clock and you getting paid based off the hours you put in. It ain't nothing about God that pays us that way. God says this, if you obey and if you have faith to believe, if you can believe it can exist, if you can believe that it can be done, then I can make it happen on your behalf. So that soon my woman walked back after seven years. And you got to know everybody else didn't have nothing. It's a famine. They they wasn't raising harvest. They wasn't they wasn't growing crops. They wasn't doing any of that stuff. She came back after seven years, and God repaid her for lost time. So God has time still stand still. God has accelerate time, and now God has repaid you for lost time. Why? Because He is the God of the impossibilities. He ain't concerned about the construct of time. And then God will sustain you doing. So right now in the midst of COVID, right now in the midst of the pandemic, God will sustain you. And I'm not going to touch 1 Kings. Go read 1 Kings 11 and 14. That woman made that oil and that cornbread. She gave it to the man of God. And this is what the man of God said. Fear not. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruiser oil fail until the day that the Lord sent it rain upon the earth. So right now, see, but that's why I'm telling you obedience is important. Right now you're looking at that seed and that seed doesn't look like a lot. And this corresponds to 
to a little is all you need. This corresponds to that, so we might as well lump that in there together. A little is all you need because all she brought to him was a little oil and cake. She said, I'm going to get two sticks. She said, she said, two sticks. I'm just going to get two sticks, and I'm about to get these two sticks, and my son and I are about to eat, and we're going to die. He said, fear not. That's what the Lord is telling you right now. Fear not, so that seed. Fear not, obey me. Fear not, because he's telling you, I'm about to ask you something that may cause your flesh to be afraid, but he's telling you, prefacing, fear not. It said, make me a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after you, after that, you can, your, and your son can eat. And it said it, it did not waste. Some of you, you ain't seen a whole lot of harvest. Your account ain't overflowing. It ain't in, it ain't as big as you sin. But God is sustaining you. And in that time of sustain, sustaining, you need to be praising and worshiping God and continue to do what he asked you to do. Because it says in the latter end of that verse, verse 14, you will be sustained until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. God will keep you until more provision comes. He'll keep you until more provision comes. Some of you look at your bank accounts and you're so focused on the bank account, you forget the fact that the Lord has sustained you. Every time you went to the gas pump, there was money there. Every time you went to pay for the food and you swiped the card, there was money there. No, it wasn't thousand, but baby, that hundred dollar paid for that $99 worth of groceries. And then when I needed $30 worth of gas, I had $40 in my account. And when I went back and I needed $5 to pay for my kids' lunch, I had $7 in the account. And when I went back and I needed a card note that was $335.52, there was $336.04 in the bank account. The baby, the Lord is sustaining you. And what you got to understand is it will not run out until abundance shows up. But you get so caught up in seeing things with your senses that you don't understand how the Lord has sustained you. As he, how he has kept you. How he has been provider. And see, and we're about to blend all this. Because now it's taking me over to David. It's taking me over to David. Where we number six, recall victories for assurance and confidence. Recall victories for assurance and confidence. Recall victories for assurance and confidence. First Samuel 17. That's what David did. That's how David that's how David overcame his impossibility. Or what seems like an impossibility. He recalled his past victory. Nudge your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to remember what all God has done for you. You got to remember those times he sustained you. I remember that time I was in, in Carson Terrace at the U of A and didn't have any money in my account. And, 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 and me and April just didn't know what we were going to do, but we had a meal plan. God, I thank you that I got a meal plan to eat on campus. And then before you knew it, money would show up. I remember Shantae and Walter, we, uh, they was coming to the church and they was like, we don't know why, but God told us to give you all these gift cards. We don't had them for all this time. God told us to give them to you. Why? Because God was sustaining us. He was keeping us. They didn't know that we needed food, but guess what we had? They got us like 14 gift cards that's ranging from $25 to $50 or, and, and to different restaurants in Fayetteville. Why? Because God was sustaining us. And so what we, what I taught a message years ago 
and I, I have to reteach it, but what you got to do is establish mile markers in your life. You know, as you're going down the interstate, right? If you ever pay attention, you see those little green signs. They're really small on the side, mile marker 144. Then it's 145. Then it's 146. All that's reminding you is where you located, baby. That's the purpose of those mile markers. They're to remind you where you located. So here you got David. David's chilling, watching his father's sheep. And his daddy said, hey, David, I need you to take this cheese up to your brothers on the battlefield. David said, yeah, Pop, I got you. I'm going to take this cheese up to my brothers. David leaves his sheep, goes to the field to take it to the brother. He leaves the cheese with the keeper of the army. And then he's like, I'm going to go find my brothers so I can say hi to him. So David up here talking to his brothers. What's up, brothers? And then Goliath comes out. And he punking all the Israelites. The whole army scared because the Goliath is this giant. And David's like, who is he? And David overhears some people talking. And David's like, what you say now? What's going to happen for the person that kills him? And then David started pulling up them mile markers. Mile marker one, I was out there on my daddy's field. And a, and a lion took a sheep. And I took a bone or whatever he took. He attacked the lion. And he got his sheep back and he killed it. And then he went to mile marker two. A bear came and tried to attack another sheep. I killed the bear with my bare hands. I, I, I killed him dead and I took my sheep back. Mile marker number three. I remember that time the Lord sustained me. When people was trying to kill me, it was the Lord that kept me. And so he was re replaying all those things that the Lord has said and what he did, he used his past victories as confidence that God would do it again. Go ahead and type that. God will do it again. The same God that paid your rent. The same God that kept you alive in that wreck. The same God that delivered you from being pregnant that time you prayed and then had sex again and he delivered you again. That same God. Yeah, him. He's the one that'll do it again for you. And so David was like, so who is this guy? I ain't tripping. But David's brothers were tripping like, here you go, David. You always trying to show out. They hating on David, right? Because this is what you got. You got well-meaning people who will keep you from your promise. And sometimes they even family. His brother's like, David, you just need to chill out. David, come on now. David, just go home. Where you, who watching your sheep, David? Don't you need to be watching sheep? And David was like, no, I got to handle something for the Lord. So David said he'll fight him. And David fought the Philistine and he conquered the Philistine. But you know how he conquered him? He wasn't looking at Goliath. He was looking at that bear. He was looking at that, at that line and he was recalling the assurances and he was creating confidence that God would do it again. And see, right now, it seems impossible because you lost fact of the God that has sustained you. You lost fact of the God that healed you before. You lost fact of the God that healed your mind and brought you peace. You lost fact of the God that brought you joy in the midst of the turmoil. When you were down and out, when that bar broke your heart and you didn't think you would ever love again, it was God that restored you. And that same God that brought restoration then, he bringing restoration now. It is already done on your behalf. 
David recalled his mile markers. He recalled his testimonies. That time I remember when I was driving down the interstate, I mean, taking my uncle home and his car was parked on my side of the road with his lights off and I'm going 70 miles per hour and encounter a car with his lights off in my lane and all I could do is swerve, hit a ditch, go into a gully and come out unscathed. Car clean, I'm clean, we all good. I didn't hit the other car. It wasn't nothing but God. And that same God that impromptu saved me then is the same God that is not a respecter of time that will impromptu save me again because I recall my mile markers. I remember the time when all I could sow was $5 and it cleared the count. I remember the time when all I could sow was $100 and they cleared their account. I remember the faithfulness of God. Why? Because that's what keeps you able to understand that God will do it again. All right. So we let's just keep going. So we covered time. A little is all you need. She brought the oil. She brought the cake. Don't minimize what's in your hand. God is telling you, hey, look, you like God's like, you're going to be a millionaire. You're like, well, God, how am I going to do it? He's like, uh, flowers. You're like, he's like, what you got? You're like, well, I like flowers. He's like, okay, let's do flowers. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do with God? Flowers, God, build a business off of flowers. You're like, well, that ain't going to work. Well, look at that woman with the oil. When her husband had passed away and she had to pay her taxes and the bills were due. And he, God said, what's in your house? And he said, all I, only thing I got is some oil, God. He said, well, go get the oil. Pour it, pour the oil, and sell it. And she poured, and she poured, and she poured, and she poured, and then she told her son, go get me some more bottles. And her son was like, mama, I don't got no more bottles. We done filled them all. And the man of God said, take the money, pay your bills, and live off the rest. You got dreams. You got things in your life that God has told you to do. And you think they're minimal. You think they minuscule. You think they won't amount to anything. But baby, if the woman, if that woman would have just said, Lord, why you want me to get bald? See, see, that's what we would do. The man of God said, go get oil. You'd be like, well, God, what I'm going to do with this oil? Why we need this oil, God? God, I don't feel like getting the oil. What this oil got to do with anything? Oil ain't going to make me no money. And say it, she obeyed. Why? Because in the prerequisite for provision is faith and obedience. Her faith moved her to obey. And when she obeyed, she poured oil. And the oil poured until it was more than enough to pay the bill and for her to live off of it. What dream are you sitting on right now in your seat? at home that the Lord has told you to move on that's designed to pay, cause you to be debt freedom and give you provision for the rest of your life. But you sitting there asking God, what about this oil? You asking God, this ain't nothing important. You telling God, this ain't going to amount to anything. But you sitting on was designed to prosper you. Let me check off my list. I got one done. I got time. I got a little is all you need. I got use what's in your hand. I got recall victories. All right, we're going to do two more. We're going to hand. Don't change your course unless God tells you to. 
Don't change your course until God tells you to. Go to Exodus for this one, 14, 13 through 14. It's the children of Israel. Let me just tell you. Children of Israel, they're coming out of Egypt. The Egyptian army was behind them. They were trying to kill them. Like, y'all done, y'all done ran off. We're about to come get y'all. And so they find themselves encountering uh, uh, an obstacle. It, it was real big, right? It was a sea. And they didn't know how they were going to get across. They didn't have no boats. I mean... They, they, I mean, they didn't have no boats. They, and there's, there's a million of them. How, they, how a million people going to cross the boat before the armies get here and kill us? And this is what they said. They said that Moses, they, they, don't, they said, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Was it not enough graves in Egypt? So you brought us out here in the middle of this mess to kill us? The army about to come? And they mad at Moses. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight. Oh, my goodness. Just type that. Say the Lord will fight for me and he will be my peace. The Lord will fight for me, and he will be my peace. So in the midst of that, the people were murmuring and complaining. They said, we should just stay in Egypt. Moses, But Moses said, hold up. God brought us this for we got this. And so God told him, God said, Moses, hold up that stick. Walk out to that water. And before you know it, it spread out. Why? Because what seemed impossible to man was an easy feat for God. It says winds came through and separated the water, right? You, you Think about this. The water is walls on the left, walls on the right. You got fish walking, watching as God, as, as the children of Israel walk through. You got brim looking, blue-eyed fish. You got, you got crappie. You got catfish all looking as the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. Why? It was a, it was a light thing to God. Why? Because he is the God of the impossible. We got to remember what all God has for us. God is a miraculous God. There's nothing too big for God. He wants to fight your battles. He wants to ensure your peace. So don't change your course. Because if the children of Israel would have turned back, they would have been killed. If the children would have left or to the right, they would have been killed. God knows what's ahead of you. You see it as something that you can't defeat, and it's a little thing to God. But you got to see God on how the Holy Spirit, he's designed to do what? To navigate your impossibilities. Holy Spirit, I am looking at something that I don't understand how to make it through. Thank you for teaching me how to make it through. Thank you for shedding abroad the love of God in my heart, because in love is wisdom, in love is understanding. So thank you, God, that I have understanding on how to get through this. You... Some of us haven't made it to the promised land because we have changed our course too many times based off what we've seen in our life. You got to quit changing your course based off the fact that something gets hard. You got to quit changing your course based off the fact that it gets uncomfortable. You got to quit changing your course based off the fact that it seems bigger than what you're able to do. Baby, it's not you doing it anyway. It's the Lord that's fighting your battle and ensuring your peace. Don't change your course. I am the God of the impossible. Don't change your course. I know it looks like you won't qualify for that job. Don't change your course. I know it looks like this isn't the year of great harvest. Don't change your course. I know that it looks like you can't get the house. 
Don't change your course. I know it looks like your marriage won't work. I know that your kids are getting on your nerves. I know that your sickness, it seems like it's overcoming you. I understand the pain, but don't change your course. I am that God. I am that I am. I am that God. I am the one that makes the impossible possible. I can make it exist. Don't change your course. All right. Let's look at it. It's 931. All right, cool. 934. All right, I said we was going to cover that one, so I don't want to be a liar. Don't get discouraged if it's not already in the earth. Just because you can't see it physically does not mean it doesn't exist. Don't get discouraged if you if it's not already in the earth. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it already doesn't already exist. Let's go talk about our boy Noah, right? So check this. You got Noah back in the day. And God told him to build a boat, a big boat, right? And so once again, we talked about what are our prerequisites for seeing the impossible become possible? They are faith and their obedience, right? Faith and obedience is what leads to uh, provision. So you got Noah back there. Uh, a boat ain't never existed before. Uh, the word was probably even new to Noah. Noah didn't know what a boat was, uh, but what he did know is God. And so sometimes you don't know the thing that God is calling you to build because ain't nobody ever built it before. And what I know about the champions that attend FOC, you guys are some navigators. And the thing about explorers and navigators, you got to go in waters that ain't ever been charted before. You're, you're, you're doing things in your family that ain't ever been done before. You're, you're the one, you're the friend in a circle that are going places that none of the friends have ever been before. And similar to Noah, what you got to do is understand that just because I can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Because you got to understand that that boat existed before Noah existed. Uh, because he created the end before beginning. The idea of a boat has already been out there. God was looking for a man brave enough to go out and, and be faithful and obedient. The question is, are you that man? Are you that woman? Do you got enough? That's why I love, it says, be not discouraged, be not dismayed. <laughs> be a great carriage. Uh, over Jeremiah, Jeremiah, hold on. I forgot Jeremiah twenty nine. No, that's not it. But be not be be not dismayed. Be a great carriage. And God is reminding us, kind of like Noah. You get in a situation, God's gonna ask you to do stuff. But don't you get discouraged because you ain't never seen it before. There are some people God is asking to do things that have never been seen before in the earth. And don't get discouraged by the fact that they ain't never been seen because God is going to teach you like he taught Noah how to build that thing out one board at a time. God is going to put people in your life to help you overcome the adversity that may come. He's going to give you, I mean, I know Noah's family was talking about him, but while they was talking about him, the Bible says they were out there helping him. And Noah might could have been, he probably was entertaining the words they said, but their actions speak louder. They may have been calling him crazy, but the fact they're out there nailing them boys and putting up that tar to keep the water out, that gave Noah encouragement. What you got to do, God is saying, look, I need you to build when nobody else is believing 
that it should be built. God, Noah didn't consider anybody's word outside of God's, even his wife or his children. And you got to be so tenacious about obeying God that you don't consider any word outside of the word of God. It doesn't matter if your spouse, your kids, your uncle, your pastor, your, your deacon, the elders of the church. It doesn't matter if the word came from God and you know it's from God, you do not consider anything from flesh and blood. And so Noah said, I'm going to obey God. And in obeying God, what did it do? He, he brought into impossibility something that was possible. He built a boat. And not only did he build the boat, but what did the boat do? It brought provision for him and his family. And so if you are willing to not be afraid, if you're willing to believe the God of impossible, God is asking you to do things that are designed to bring you provision for you and your family. And I say this probably almost every time I teach. It ain't just about you. It ain't just, it's about your lineage. Lineage. It's about your children's children. It's about your great, 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 great grandchildren. Your obedience is designed to prosper not only you, but everybody else in your lineage. And so don't get discouraged because God has already seen you through. God has already brought you provision. And that's where we're going to end. God has already brought you provision. You have everything you need to be successful. You have everything you need to be successful. And the God of the, and you got to have trust in the God of the impossible. The God that can make, and you got to understand, God created the earth from nothing. He spoke a word. What are you speaking? Every day, what are you speaking? What's flowing out of your heart in abundance? Because that is the indicator of what's currently happening in your life. That's the indicator of what you believe. When God told you you can have that house, are you even looking for a house? Are you even going to show, I mean, open houses with your mask on, mask on, right? Are you going out there looking for that? Are you just sitting there thinking that somebody's going to come to your door and say, hey, Ralph, this house is yours. Possible? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but where's your action to correspond with your faith? Right. Where's your action? You got to be willing to seek God above all things. You got to be willing to seek God above all things. All right. You got to be willing to see God above all things. And, and lastly, don't pursue stuff that God ain't told you to go after. I said I was going to be done. Don't pursue stuff that God ain't told you to go after. Do not pursue stuff God has not ca called you to go after. It is your pursuit of things that are outside the will of God that consumes your time, your energy, and everything else. And it keeps you from uh, living your best life. See, the enemy stealing, killing, destroying, the, the part of that is if he can get you to pursue anything that's outside of what God calls you to do, he's happy. Even if that thing brings you money, doesn't mean it's of God. Even if it brings you uh, happiness, it doesn't mean it's from God. We have, we, we have equated feelings, uh, good feelings, to being obedient to God. Good feelings does not mean you're doing the will of God. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's God. 
Just because it feels good doesn't mean it God. You 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 sowing money in places God ain't told you to sow money. You spending time on boards that God ain't told you to spend time, spend time on. You taking jobs to make more money that God ain't told you to take. And it's in your pursuit of these things that causes you to deter from the true harvest that God has for your life. And so you got to be like David was when he came back from Ziglag. He came back from fighting that fight and they had stolen his kids and burned down the camp. And David had something, think about this. David had something very precious taken from him. He had his two wives and the wives of his army and all of their kids were taken. And, and anybody in good sense and see what most of us do, we respond out of emotion to so many situations and it causes us to miss God and the harvest that he has for us in that situation. Because we're responding not by faith, we're responding by feeling and feelings doesn't promise us victory. They don't. Feelings don't promise us victory. And so what David did, David went to God and said, I know my kid and David men were trying to kill him because they're like, David, I, I would have been here with my wife if you wouldn't have me out there fighting. I would have been here with my wife and my kids if you didn't have me out there fighting. They're ready to kill David. And the Bible says David sought God. So in the midst of his wives and his kids being kidnapped, in the midst of his people, his own army wanting to kill him, David sought God. He didn't let his feelings cause him to make a decision that will be contrary to the will of God. And sometimes when you face impossible situations, we allow our feelings to make decisions instead of our faith, instead of the word of God telling us to do. David sought God and David says, God, shall I pursue? And God says, not only, yes, you should pursue, and not only will you pursue, but you will conquer it all. You will conquer it all. You are overtake them and succeed in a rescue. And so my question to you is, what are you pursuing without permission from God? What are you pursuing without permission from God? Make sure you spend time this week and every day pursuing God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the God of the impossible, there is nothing impossible to you because there's nothing impossible in heaven. And as long as I listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll teach me to navigate what humanly seems, in, seems impossible. He'll teach me to navigate those. And like David, seek God. Don't seek your feelings. When, when something occurs and it knocks you off your rocker and you get all in your feelings, stop, worship God, and ask God, what's my next step? Because that is how you overcome impossibilities. You don't overcome them in your feelings. You don't overcome them by seeking advice from people who don't know nothing. You seek God and he will guide you through. Does that make sense? All right, so... Thank you guys for hanging in there. Uh, I just want, like I said, my whole objective was simply to remind you of who God is. It wasn't anything new tonight. Most of y'all have heard all these stories. But what I need you to do is this. I want you guys to, number one, ask God, God, am I pursuing anything without your permission? 
because a lot of you think you're too busy. You can't find enough time. It's only because you're pursuing things that God ain't told you to pursue. You participate in the stuff that God ain't told you to participate. And it's occupying your time. And that's how the devil is stealing, killing, and destroying. Because if I can get your time taken up, then I can keep you from seeking God the way he wants you to be sought. April made this great. I'm, I'm going to stop. Maybe she... I, next time I tell y'all about this, uh, me and April was talking about the word about Philippians two, and she told and she had revelation on on the mind of Christ in 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 the calendar, and so I I talk about that next week. But it was really good. It was really really good because the thing is, a lot of us uh, haven't cleared our calendars for God. We. The reason that we can't obey God because we have events scheduled and we haven't cleared our calendar. But she is like when Jesus said that uh, he would, I, when Jesus said that he would, uh, he had given his life to Christ, and that when he became human, he stayed human, and that he submitted to the Father. What Jesus, in essence, did was cleared his calendar for the behalf of God. So what he said was, "Hey, God, I'm clearing Google Calendar for you." So whatever event that you put on my calendar, I'm available to be at that event because I'm not coming into this thing with anything on my calendar. I'm coming in with a clean slate, God. I am submitting to you. But a lot of times we can't submit to God because we already have our own event schedule. And because we have our own event schedule, Google kicks God's events out the way because it says that you are already occupied at the time. And, and and so she said she may come over here and, and teach her with me. I ain't doing the justice, but but you got to clear your calendar for God. That's what Jesus did when he says, "Take on this mind." He said, "Being equal with God, he being being equal to God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God." But but he said he humbly submitted. He cleared himself to be available for the Father, and that's what we got to do. And anytime we do that, man, look. There ain't nothing impossible for the believer. Why? Because those who come for him believing, they are always received. Amen? So announcements. First of all, I encourage you to give. Sow into the ministry. Sow into the word. All right? First and foremost, give. Be obedient to God in this time concerning giving. All right? FOCchurch.com. Uh cash app if you want to sow into the word it doesn't matter just just so be obedient god with sowing and that's your time that's the organizations that's everything second uh join us 9 30 a.m sunday man for worship with pastor chris at christian valley worships foc uh uh on 9 30 on christian valley worships on facebook not foc uh then join us at 10 o'clock for fellowship of champions uh sunday service um it's, it's good. It's great. It's, it's a good teaching. Pastor Evan has been teaching about God's system of promotion the last two weeks. Not sure if he's going to continue with that, but join us for that. Uh, then uh, Monday at 8, we start fasting. And I, I've been inviting people to fast these last few weeks. Pick a soda. Pick pick meat. Pick desserts. Whatever. But fast with us from 8 p.m. on uh, Monday night to after prayer on Tuesday. And then Tuesday at 8 p.m., we have uh, corporate prayer. At on the FOC NWA page, Fellowship of Champions via Facebook. And then Wednesday, come back here for the word. And also, don't be afraid to jump in on Mondays. I forgot about that. 12 o'clock Mindset Monday on Sean Strickland page. Um, Pastor Sean's page, Sean Strickland on Facebook. All right. So 
I don't apologize for going long. I'm telling y'all, as we have more and more time during this time, it is really a time to grow up in the word uh, and, and allow God to speak to you because I heck, that's what he's been doing to me is just growing me up. Because the words I teach y'all, those, those are words that the Lord has taught to me about doing. I'm just teaching you what I'm being taught by God. So make sure that you guys join us for services. Make sure that you give. Um, and I encourage you, uh, if you want to do some deep work, go to shunstrickland.com and sign up for one of her um, soul shifts. I've done, I think I did one or two, can't remember, uh, and April's still in one now. But man, you're talking about some good soul work to get to where you're trying to go, that, that there's no one better designed to teach you that. So uh, Sunday's message will be positioning yourself to be led by God. Alignment plus agreement equal advancement. So that's Sunday's message. So guys, go ahead and join. Uh, get ready. Set your calendars. Put it on your phone. But be ready to get the word because this is a year of great harvest. And we're teaching you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, be committed to the word and re remain grateful and stay hungry for God.